Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund and Lucy. This story is about something that happened to them when they were sent away from London during the war because of a satirical news comedy podcast known as The Gargle. The only satirical podcast that brings you all of the news and none of the politics, this is The Gargle. I'm your host, always winning, never Christmas, Alice Fraser. Your guest editors for this week's edition of the podcast are the talking lion who's secretly Jesus, Tiff Stevenson. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) I'm secretly Jesus. I like secretly Jesus. (laughs) And the sugared confectionery you'd betray your family for, Charlie George. Confectionery? Yeah, I like it. I I feel like a flump. That's good. I'm a flump. Before we gather together and finger our way through the chocolate selection that is this week's gathering of stories, let's first have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is Rebel Wilson posing sassily and successfully next to a pride flag and just in front of the threats by the Sydney Morning Herald to out her. Uh, these threats made by nominative determinism champion of the year, middle-aged whinger and columnist, sorry, columnist Andrew Hornery. Did you follow that story? No, was this about, so they, they kind of like, they released it before she, she had posted or something on Instagram about her relationship? Was that what they were doing? Yeah, so she she posted about her relationship on Instagram because Andrew Hornery said, we're going to publish a story about your relationship. Do you have any comment in the next two, two days? And then... Uh, she posted about it on her Instagram and then he wrote a column complaining that she'd quote-unquote gazumped him uh, <laughs> by, and that he shouldn't have warned her after he'd so kindly approached her for comment. I don't know. I just think that hornery sounds like a combination of horny and ornery, which he definitely is. Why is it his business? Yeah, he sounds jealous about the whole thing. He does. The satirical cartoon this week is a self-justification disguised as an apology in apology form for the original apology, which was actually just an attempt to shift blame. The whole thing is tucked into a twisted anus and labelled turducken. 
but the emphasis, there's a separation and, and the D is at the end of the turd rather than at the beginning of the Aachen. <laughs> Which brings us to our news stories for this week. Top story this week, man v horse news now. It's a tale as old as time, a battle whose origins are lost in the mists of memory. Who was the first aggressor, man or horse? We don't know, but it was definitely man. Uh, Charlie George, you've been an athlete before. Can you unpack this story for us? Sorry, did you just ask me equestrian? Uh, I've got a lot of horse puns. <laughs> Basically, are you ready yes. uh, for me to be the centaur of attention? Okay, yeah, no, I, I've... Um, I've <laughs> this is so gross. Um, but yeah, this is man v horse, and I've been waiting for interspecies races for a long time. Uh, I don't think we've had enough of them. And that's what I thought it was. I thought it was just man versus horse. But it turns out that it's man versus man on a horse, which is a very different thing. But yes, they've been running this uh, since the 1980s. I don't know why we've been covering Ascot and the Grand National and not man versus horse. Like, it just sounds so much fun <laughs> if this was on telly. But yeah, this guy, this very sweet guy called Ricky Lightfoot, who sounds like um, the panicked name a child made up for a good runner. <laughs> <laughs> He's like was awake, apparently, for like 29 hours on a flight from Tenerife, which sounds like he was up like partying hard which might have helped him win the race like maybe he's had some you know chemicals and then he like won against someone on a horse and I just think it's mad I actually think they should have the next step should be like Iron Man versus horse where like flying's involved uh, and then they end like maybe a bit of swimming and then they end with dressage like that's I'd love that. I feel like this is a slippery slope. It's like, can you outrun a man on a horse? Can you outrun a man on a horse with a bow and arrow? And then all of a sudden we're in that game again. The most dangerous and most fun game. Yeah, I just I, I just think that like the men, to make it really fair, because when I discovered that it was um, other men on horses, I was like, well, to make it really fair, the, the men who don't have a, um, who aren't on a horse should have to piggyback another species or their own species, <laughs> because then they've both got something, do you know what I mean, on their back. That seems like that would be a better way to do it. Um, and, and I think uh, I actually discovered that in 2009, this race was marred by controversy because um, someone who won had time deducted. Uh, like, I think a horse wasn't going to win, but they had time deducted due to vet checks. And I just thought, like, it's kind of like um, in, like, Formula One racing or something. Like, they must have just stopped and just quickly gone through all of the horseshoes, changed everything over. Tiff, you could outrun a horse in heels, couldn't you? In heels? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I do manage to get around Edinburgh in heels, and that's quite a feat, isn't it? I mean, it's quite a painful thing. Hey, for going for puns. Uh, <laughs> but not for Ricky Lightfoot. A great bit of normative determinism, um, as we were speaking of it earlier. I think I should have been called Tiffany Quickwit, actually. Oh, very um, nice. So yes, I like that. That's Shakespearean to me. I like that. <laughs> Tiffany Quick. I keep wondering why didn't they publish what the ponies' names were? Like, was there a pony soprano, a David Hasselhoof, <laughs> a, a maple stirrup? What about a forest jump or my personal favourite, John Bon Pony or Nightmare? Like, I like nightmare, nightmare I like a lot. I mean, the problem is that horses don't ever have fun names. Like, uh, they should have fun names, but they don't. They always have names that are sort of a little bit too fancy for them. It feels like a PR exercise and I'm not sure for who. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for humans this year because... They won, and maybe there's something in it, like because the horse normally wins, that we should respect horses more. I do feel we, we respect horses. We respect horses more than women, as in there's more commemorative 
war statues for horses than there are for women. So do you remember the time that they tried to rebrand shark attacks? Like it was a PR thing. They want to call them negative encounters or it's, I prefer bitey wet times. Like <laughs> I prefer bitey wet times. Bitey wet times sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> No, you weren't. Um, you weren't savagely attacked. You were lovingly lacerated. Let's please reframe this, because um, because obviously there's a, a negative image around sharks. So I'm wondering, maybe this is like maybe this is PR because it's was it just men in the race? I think it was just men versus horses. Men versus horses, but the, the horses could be either either sex, so that's okay. That's, right. Okay. That's feminism, yeah. right? Is it? <laughs> I'm just. I'm wondering if this is PR for men, just because they've been having a bit of a shit run. They have been having uh, recently. Bit of, I, the only way I'm going to be invested in the outcome of this race is it's, if it's is if it's run by horse race rules, which is to say, if anyone trips over and breaks their leg, you shoot them in the head. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stakes. Off to the glue factory, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, break them down. I think it actually started when I looked at the history of it from a conversation of two men in a pub talking about it, and it's like, and then they've made this whole thing out of it, and basically, like, um, the prize started is quite low, and then every year it's been accumulating uh, by 500 quid until someone wins it basically and so this person won like 3,500 pounds and he is a firefighter um who can run faster than a horse I'm like he just serves the Cumbria area and I think like this is a great way to find out about like people's skills because like, I think he should be asked to do some other stuff like if he can run <laughs> faster than a horse like we need to hire him wider than the Cumbria area if it's for PR it's definitely for PR about wealth inequality because for 3,500 pounds you probably couldn't buy a very good horse <laughs> actually I don't know how much horses cost your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy are you the Airbnb I was at the other day Did you have about a third of a small pump bottle full of hand soap left? Try covering your shame with half a glass of water. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the shaggy vegan who just invited you round for mushrooms. What kind of (laughs) mushrooms does he mean? Find out. (laughs) And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by hair. Hair. The self-generating hat. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
now we are out of time for ads because now it's time for our Augustus Gloop section. Our workers have been rescued after being tumbled into a vat of chocolate at the Mars Wrigley factory. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, you're Willy Wonka. Can you unpack this story for us? <laughs> Apparently two people were rescued after they fell into a partially filled chocolate tank whilst doing maintenance work at a candy factory in Pennsylvania. The sticky situation unfolded on Thursday at the Mars Wrigley plant in Elizabethtown. Trouble started around 2pm. Officials did not say how the people became trapped in the vat. You know how they got trapped in the vat. <laughs> they were leaning over trying to lick the chocolate. And that is how they were. Literally over the side of it, like you say, Alice, a full Augustus gloop. Don't, dear children, be alarmed. Augustus gloop will not be harmed. Scooping up handfuls of chocolate... And then they couldn't get out. They were they were in it. Apparently, it was waist high. <laughs> I would have eaten my way out. I would have eaten my way out. I would have drunk my way out of the chocolate soup. I definitely, I would have been fine. There's some questions I need to know. Are they ditching that barrel? Or are they going to sell greedy employee flavoured bars from it? Well, I'm thinking about this. Maybe both of them were on their period. Because that would be, that would explain it to me. Because that's the only time I get uncontrollable around chocolate. Like, I'm fine around chocolate, but my period and chocolate are like secret lovers who meet up once a month and then just, like, <laughs> the shit out of each other, then feel sick and full of self-loathing. <laughs> then, then we both walk away for another 28 days. So I, I get so obsessed around that time of the month with chocolate. I've actually investigated if it's possible to inseminate a mini egg so it hatches, breeds, and makes more chocolate. So <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking no one has asked, you know, about uh, about whether or not they're on their periods. So I think I think we should take that into consideration. I mean definitely emergency workers freed them by cutting a hole in the bottom of the tank, which seems to me like if they could get in, you could probably get them out through the same hole that they got in and you wouldn't need to like cut a hole in a tank but who am i i'm not an emergency rescue worker chocolate yeah. uh, specialist it uh, was only waist high so that makes me think when they cut the hole in the bottom i'm like did it set were they wearing sort of like chocolate waders at that point like was it like did it go all hard because you know sometimes hot chocolate could set and i thought oh god so it's sort of like maybe grouped around them i was thinking the other thing could be like slushing like maybe isn't there that sex thing where like people are into like doing it and getting messy with food. I don't even know if you do it or if it's just the messiness of food that turns you on. But I was like, why, why else would you get, get in there? Surely that's not their process of making whatever chocolate. Like, what involves them leaning over an open vat? <laughs> like, I just, like, it's so mad. I mean, it seems stressful to me to try, like, the food and sex thing seems stressful to me because either you're someone who's really into messy, sexy food times mm. uh, or you're someone who feels compelled to, like, lick all the chocolate off just to get it clean and then that's like a really stressful and upsetting <laughs> like if you've got someone yeah. who just can't stand to have a mess they're going to end up like quite ill by the end of the process you'll end up with some kind of infection mm, candida yeah like you're <laughs> gonna get thrush from like having chocolate around your nethers I just, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end badly. It's not going to go well. Some kind of sugar coating infection. Yeah, the only other thing I could think of was that they, they just, there was something else that they didn't retrieve that's been lost in the chocolate and maybe they went in for it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's an object or something else. They leaned over the side to get it and then ended up like they went to wade in to rescue something. Well, worried that it was going to spoil the vat. You have asked if it's hardened, but I'm thinking it's like quicksand. Like, if they're, like, it's waist high, but they're unable to get out, like, were they doing laps? Did they swim to the side? Was it warm? Is it smooth? Is it warm? I need to see a picture of the vat. I think there's a moral obligation for the rescuers to at least take a photo of the two people before they got them out. 
Like it sounds like they weren't in imminent, like it wasn't up to their, they weren't bubbling and drowning in chocolate. So I think it's a moral obligation of the rescuers to take a quick photo and say, come on, guys. Come on, let's go viral on TikTok, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your reviews section now. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring something to review out of five stars. Charlie George, what have you brought in for us? I'm going to go for the sea. I'm going to review the sea. Um, I've recently moved to Margate in Kent. It's very Kenty. Ooh. One of the great things about it is the sea. Are you overwhelmed and drowning in your own self-absorption like me as you struggle to maintain an online presence that's rapidly outgrowing your real personality? <laughs> Try the sea. Oh, it's wet, wet, wet and saltier than your ex-girlfriend uh, in a fight about star signs. Hope floats. And so do you. <laughs> so it's, it's it's pretty great feeling. My nervous system loves the sea. Um, y- you can wee in the sea. I know you're not supposed to, but I kind of feel like it's, you know, in Margate, there's a lot of other things floating in there that you think it's okay to wee in. There's a lot of stinky seaweed near where I am, so I'd have to mark it down a little bit for that. But yeah, it's the best feeling ever, really. I know it's not original to love the sea. I'm sort of like half and half. I think the getting out part is hard. Getting in is a bit hard. But floating um, and realising how small you are is pretty great. I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5. Can I do that? 4.5 out of 5? 4.5 out of 5 is great. It's also, you know, if if you're worried about uh, weight loss, go into the ocean. You'll feel really tiny. Yeah. It's all about comparisons. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Tiff, what have you brought in to review? I'm going to review big boobs in hot weather. So (laughs) I am not enjoying. So what happens at this time of year is that I I have big boobs. Everyone thinks it's great, but I want to say that during the summer, I get athlete's foot tip, which is that (laughs) thing you get between your toes, but like between my boobs. So it smells like I'm baking bread constantly. Which I can knock out a sourdough in like <laughs> half an hour. It's really great. It was great during lockdown because everyone was looking for sourdough starters. Not so good now. No man has ever looked at a woman with big boobs and gone, oh, she looks like she's got great ideas. So <laughs> I don't like how people perceive me because of them. I don't like them in this hot weather. So I'm going to say during the summer, big boobs. I'm going to give them a two out of five. Do not enjoy. Do not enjoy. Do they? Are they? So they're seasonal. They're a seasonal pleasure. The boob. Winter, it's not so bad. Even during the winter, I'd still be like, could do with like my lower back not hurting so much. So yeah, in the winter, I'd bump them up to maybe a three, and then just feel what's neutral. <laughs> I will. I'll have body neutrality around them in the winter, but during the summer, we're down to it. I mean, yeah, Charlie, if you're getting a point five, I'd go. I could even go one point five. Two or two. Really? In the summer? Because they're like sweaty baubles or something. Is that Yeah, it? sweaty, sweaty orbs. Have you <laughs> ever thought about helium balloons attaching to your bra? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? We could bring back the hand bra from the 90s. That was big in the 90s, the do you hand remember? Bra. <laughs> the hand bra where people would just appear on album oh. covers with yeah. Yeah, someone else's hands or your hands wrapped around the hand bra. Oh. Janet Jackson had it on an album cover. Madonna had it. It was a big, it was a big pop phenomenon. Just get someone to walk around behind you with... <laughs> yeah, holding them up, yeah. Actually, you don't know whether it was a hand bra or some of them just had awkwardly hand-shaped nipples. Yes, they could have. And I don't want to shame them for that. (laughs) Uh, That's all the time we have for our reviews section because now it's time for our mass frog burial news. Uh, An Iron Age site near Cambridge has unpacked just a huge number of frog bits. 
<laughs> don't know how else to put that. Charlie George, you've been involved in paganism in the past. Can you unpack this story? <laughs> Oh, yes, many a ritual with those middle-class hippies out in uh, Glastonbury. It's like eye of frog and then eye of frog and then eye of frog and then eye of frog. <laughs> yeah, and then like small bit of white dreadlock. I think it's either like an Iron Age <laughs> home full of witches. Um, but apparently, when I was reading about this, it says that it's not unusual to find frog bones at ancient sites, um, which is also the unknown reprise of the Tom Jones song. Um, <laughs> one ditch, many frog bones. Uh, apparently, ancient civilizations like Egyptians, Mesopotamians, Greeks and Romans all saw frog, uh, the frog as a symbol of fertility. So the other thing I was thinking is maybe there was like, you know, there's just like a really horny couple trying to shag at this place and they just kept getting through frogs. And uh, <laughs> I don't know whether they licked them or what they did with them as their aphrodisiac. Um, but, you know, it's like one small erection for man, one giant <laughs> loss of life for frog kind, maybe is the vibe. I don't know. But it's at a place called Bar Hill. Uh, and they also discovered when they were doing it that, like, these frogs, it was unlikely they'd been eaten, they'd said, because they weren't cut or burnt. But then they said after that that, like, they could have been boiled, though, in which case they'd have no marks. So I don't know... Whether I'm, I was thinking aphrodisiac, maybe. What, what do you have any ideas? Cold, disease, or sexual ritual? It's sort of like snog, marry, kill, but for like frogs. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were saying they could have drowned, but win or lose, sink or swim, one thing is certain they'll never give in. Bum, 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 bye, yeah. I'm the oldest person on this podcast, so I'm the only one that gets the reference to the frog song. But uh, yeah, they were saying that they discovered them in the Iron Age. I think it was the Iron Age, not even my favourite age. Uh, favorite ages uh triassic jurassic reebok classic they're officially my three favorite good ages good ages Ages, yeah so they're saying was it frog rain was it witchcraft what what do we think could have because they were studying the bones and they were saying they hadn't been cut but they could have been boiled anecdotally and this is not funny but the only thing that i can think of that might have happened was once we drove to scotland and i refer to this as the great frog massacre of 2013 because it must have been like a migration day and we were on an A road and we drove along and and honestly, for an hour, frogs were just flying out in front of us, obviously trying to get from one pond or something from one side of the road to the other. And like, we killed hundreds of them. Like, we didn't have any choice. We just keep driving and they're smacking off the car. We're going over them. It was really quite disturbing. Um, I've never witnessed anything like that before or since. Sounds very biblical. It is quite biblical, and I'm I'm a very biblical person. <laughs> I'm a, my name does mean manifestation of God, so you know it could have been they were all just like throwing themselves in front of me, saying she's here. Um, but yeah, so that's the only time I can I can, I can think of like these these weird you know they're supposed to be frog rain, isn't there? That's supposed to be a phenomenon. That exists. Yeah, so it could have been so. that, or, or or they also said about on their way to somewhere. But sometimes I think, what if it was just a young young like a person who lived in that time who was really bad at keeping pets, but just didn't want to give up, and they loved frogs. Like <laughs> it could be. <laughs> You know, but they just kept trying over and over again. It could be a very charismatic frog cult leader <laughs> waiting for the end times. Uh, that's all the time we have for our mass frog death Iron Age news because now it's time for our slightly sweaty robot finger news. <laughs> slightly sweaty robot finger news. A Japanese, of course, a Japanese invention has come forth and it is a robot finger that is covered in 
artificially made but human skin. It comes out of a vat, it's slightly sweaty, and it is the solution to who's going to scroll my Twitter when I'm not looking. Tiff Stevenson, you've been slightly sweatily fingered before. Can you <laughs> unpack this story for us? Have I? Have I been slightly <laughs> sweatily? How would you know that, Alice? It's just a guess. Just a guess. <laughs> Slightly sweaty robot finger is what I'm going to call my production company. <laughs> and that's a great name for a production company. Um, yes. Oh, yay. We all want this. I mean, joy. They've covered a robot finger with skin. And the skin's supposed to be able to heal itself. It's seen as an impressive technical feat that blurs the line between living flesh and machine. Guys, are we just going to pretend the rampant rabbit doesn't exist? <laughs> like, we all know it's out there. We all know about blurring the line between living flesh and machine, although I don't think anyone's going to pick up the, the sweaty finger in Ann Summers. <laughs> no no, no one's going to love honey. Bets on that <laughs> Who's going on love honey? Ordering the sweaty <laughs> robot finger, slightly, slightly sweaty. They said the fingers are work in progress and the skin is much weaker than natural skin and it has to be kept moist because there's no circulatory system. I mean, there's a line, hello. Yeah, <laughs> must keep moist. But also then we're just going to have, if this does develop further, we're just going to have to have robots that constantly miss themselves. We're going to have to put them live in, like, live in the bathroom like your plants, you know. Like a Chinese evergreen or a majesty palm. You've just got this robot sat there waiting for the steam from the shower so that they don't dry out. Um, I've killed every plant I've ever had. So good luck with that house robot of mine with full living skin on it. I mean, it's it, I, I was repulsed by it, which is what they refer to as uncanny, uncanny valley, isn't it? Where you kind of have that sort of like seeing a sort of finger in a Petri dish looking a bit like a tampon with some wires coming out of it was... I was, it, it it made me feel a bit ill. Um, so I'm not sure this is a development that we should be keen on, to be honest. Yeah, they're sort of trying to pitch it, but all the things they say to pitch it sound a bit dreadful. Like, you know, it's really interesting to watch something that looks like a human finger, but it makes clicking robot noises when it moves. And you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, and it's like, they were kind of like, oh, you know, it will help people sort of interact, like it will help a robot interact with people more naturally. And I'm thinking, like, the bit that we miss about human interaction when we're engaging with a robot is not being sweated on. Like, I don't, do when, like do, when you shake someone's hand, you're like, oh... I really wish there was sweat on this robot hand. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they pitched it as like useful for like nursing care or the service industry. And I'm like, have mm. they ever done those jobs? Because I used to work in a care home. And they're like, oh, how it would be great for personal care because the person would feel like they're being touched by sort of more human skin. And I'm like, you do know gloves are worn for most of what you do in those jobs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's the question. Would you rather be touched by a human with gloves on or a robot with slightly sweaty <laughs> finger. No ah. human contact, but all of the joy of clamminess. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have for slightly sweaty robot finger news because now it is time for shrinking news. Uh, apparently, the, one of the worst upsides of the environmental degradation of our planet is uh, the shrinking of human penises, according to one scientist. I always am worried about stories that are just like one scientist says, because as we've discovered in recent times, one scientist will say f***ing anything uh, if they think it'll make them go viral on Twitter. But this is Shanna Swan, Dr. Shanna Swan, who's written a book called Countdown, arguing that the modern world is... Uh, altering humans' reproductive development and threatening the future of our species. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, how do you feel about this? Is this the resurgence <laughs> of the tiny penis Greek statue as like a, an example of civilization? Is it a more civilised penis that we're looking for? 
I like that we're Mrs. Pepper Potting penises. And again, these are childhood <laughs> references that not everyone gets, but Mrs. Pepperpot used to shrink and get herself uh, into, and go on adventures. I feel like penises are always shrinking or growing one way or another, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I feel like maybe these penises just want to shrink and go on adventures. <laughs> <laughs> they want to go and rescue something from the forest and it's all good. I mean, yes, these stories come up relentlessly. She's saying in some parts of the world, the average 20-something today is less fertile than her grandmother was at 35. It's a global existential crisis. Is it? We're overpopulated. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, plan B needs to start thinking of itself as plan A. Uh, <laughs> like we've got a lot of... So maybe it's just, maybe it's 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 not a bad thing. I don't even know though. I don't understand the... I You know, obviously haven't read the science. I don't know what the cor- correlation is between you know, the the size of the penis and erectile dysfunction and fertility decline. Obviously, she explains it in the book. But I just, you know, like you could have a pocket rock. It could be a small penis, but it could pack a spermy punch. So I just, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean because they're smaller, they're going to be less, you know, they're going to be less potent. Powerful. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, imagine st- imagine <laughs> researching this book. That's all I have to say. Like, imagine like two to five years of research or whatever being put in of like studying penis size. And there was a thing recently where they said there was another study which was like penis size is linked to nose size. So if there's a big nose, hello, it's a big, you know, which is... Um, Good to know. And it just invites the <laughs> the image of a penis with a sense of smell, which let's <laughs> let's not no or a nose that jizzes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> with hay fever, all noses jizz. That's all the time we have for our shrinking penis environment section, because now it's time for our summer beauty section, the time when an interesting coat is no longer a substitute for a human body. What are your summer beauty tips for our listeners? Charlie George? I think if you're a bit sweaty, stand next to a sweaty robot finger and you will always <laughs> seem nicer than it. I've been doing this thing where I sort of, because um, in summer there can be like a lot of oppressive need to look really good. And um, if you're not feeling that good about yourself, carry a dog. I've got a dog at the moment. Uh, no one will remember you because the dog is really cute. Recently, we had to take a selfie for something and I just sort of guided that person to get further and further away uh, until they left the room. And that's how we, you can look really great in a photo. Uh, it's just <laughs> not be present in it. And I also think uh, the revival of the bucket hat is great. Um, good for sun protection and it also has contraceptive qualities. <laughs> I genuinely think anyone who wears a bucket hat is just boasting that they can wear a bucket hat and not look dreadful. Like if you're wearing a bucket hat, that's just a just a, a sign that you have tabs on yourself, really. Oh, one of my favourite things, and I've been seeing it a lot, and I had my first holiday in many years recently, is I like I love to see a little baby, you know, when they've got that really comfortable with themselves, super confident belly, and, and they've got either a bucket hat or an old man's cap on, and they just suddenly look 50, no matter what, even if they're a toddler. <laughs> it's great. It's such a joy. I'm living on a boat at the moment, and I'm bathing my baby in a little bucket, um, and it's a little sort of a bath-shaped bucket that folds down so I can put it in my suitcase. And it's exactly the proportions to her as it would be if a little old man were having a bath in a normal-sized bath. Ah, <laughs> oh, put your baby in a bucket, in a bucket hat. Oh, womb explodes. <laughs> Love it. Tiff Stevenson, what are your summer beauty tips? I would say fashion-wise, 
don't wear tartan in the summer because people will try and picnic on you. <laughs> so that's always a risk. Um, <laughs> I am actually having a hot girl summer, but it could be perimenopause. So I'm not sure. Those would be my tips. My summer beauty tips are the classic 90s Australia advice of slip, slop, slap, uh, which is to say uh, slip over in a pool of water, sloppy drunkenness and uh, slap a stranger for looking at you funny. That's uh, summer beauty tips from the gargle. That's all the time we have for this week's episode, uh, flipping through the ads at the back. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, have you got anything to plug? I have some previews coming up in Birmingham at the Fat Penguin. I have one coming up in Leeds. I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe. I will be on at the Pleasance Courtyard at 8 o'clock every night during the Fringe. Charlie George, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, I am doing um, a night this Sunday at 21 Soho. I'm going to be part of the return of F*** It Up Comedy, which is Femmes of Colour comedy. And there's going to be like a live podcast recording and a bunch of women of colour doing sets, which would be really cool. And we'd love to have your support for that one. Uh, I'm also doing The Fringe. Um, uh, I've been sponsored by the Lesbian Elite to go. Um, I'm going to be doing two weeks on The Free Fringe um, in a queer triple bill called Clandestina Comedy. And that's at the Liquid Rooms Annex. But you can find out my gigs on my website at charliegeorgecomedy.com. And a big thank you to our guest editors for this week, as well as a big thank you for our roving reporters, Bella Hahn, who sent in the Man v. Horse story, Miss Otis, who sent in the Chocolate Factory story, Bella Hahn, who sent in the Mass Frog Burial. That's a double byline for Bella Hahn this week. James Fieldsend, the Happy Pill Academy, Miss Otis Moldrat, all sent in the sweaty robot finger story. I don't know why they thought that would be up our alley. And Abdo, (laughs) who sent in the shrinking penises story. Uh, I will be in Edinburgh myself with Kronos. I'm also all around London and the UK. Find out at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser, which is a one-stop shop full of my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs, as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons, which is where we get in a Zoom room and have a chat. Almost like this, but it's not recorded and I do less prep. Uh, this is an Alice Fraser and Bugle Podcasts production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.